When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome to Sports Day, 7 after 6, 133-882 is our number. And straight into the news headlines, thanks to Polaris. Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Three hours ago, Jared Berry went up before the AFL Tribunal skeet. What's the outcome? Well, it's good news for the Brisbane Lions because he has been cleared to play in the preliminary final against the Cats. In fact, so much happening this afternoon, I've called it the Triple J. For us, it's going to be Jackson, Junior, and the jury. Of course, regarding Jared Berry, uh, Junior Rioli. Uh, we'll talk more about his intentions in a moment or two. And Luke Jackson has come out and publicly declared what we all expected for many, many months, and that is he wants to return home. Yeah, it was interesting. When I heard Greg Swan talking about Jared Berry acting in self-defence, I thought, why don't you just punch him in the head? Because that's self-defence too. But instead he rakes his fingers across his face uh, with his, you know, with his nails. I mean, at the end of the day, he's very lucky, I reckon, Jared Berry, but that's one thing the punters can talk about on 133-882 because I'm not overly comfortable with it, and I just wonder whether the AFL might appeal. I doubt they will, but that's where we sit on that. Uh, Luke Jackson informing Melbourne of his desire to return home. Uh, that was one of the first dominoes, in fact, probably the most significant domino to fall today. But then soon after that, we heard that Junior Rioli had nominated to go to Port Adelaide. Now, I don't think anyone's surprised, given what he said the other day when he returned from Port Adelaide and his desire to uh, make money for his family and set him up for the rest of his life. Wonderful 3882. Now that it is reality, I just wonder from the Eagles fans, what do you think on 133882? Two issues just out of that. Luke Jackson declaring he wants to come home, which is no surprise but didn't say the Fremantle Dockers specifically, which does leave the door ajar for the West Coast Eagles, albeit we tend to think that Fremantle has just about got the deal sealed. The other issue with Junior Rioli is uh, Trevor Nisbet, the CEO, has come out and has said bitterly disappointed with the decision by Junior. We know that the Eagles poured a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources into Junior, given uh, the trials and tribulations he went through during that uh, drug-imposed sanction, which kept him out of football for some time. Uh, Does he owe, did he owe the Eagles something? Maybe, maybe not. I think probably he did. But at the end of the day, if he wants to leave, I've said this for a couple of weeks to you, Carl, I have no issues with Junior Rioli leaving because I think the West Coast Eagles will be good enough to get a deal done and win out of that if they are good enough. Well, well, look, I've always been of the view if someone wants to go, then do the best deal you can and move on because there's no use keeping someone that wants to be somewhere else. That's the first thing I'll say. Uh, The second thing that I would say in the negotiation between, uh, say, Melbourne, West Coast, Frio, look, Frio's offer that they had, uh, I believe, tabled earlier this year 
was more significant than what West Coast was. But it's probably what you get back on the other side. Uh, and, and this is going to be the interesting part as to the jostling that takes place between what you get for Luke Jackson. So that's going to be an interesting scenario for, for Melbourne and uh, the two West Australian clubs. But, look, I, I'm still of the view that he'll, he'll end up and will agree to terms to be traded to Frio. Uh, I was interested today that that wasn't announced today because I would have thought that that would have mm. been his club of choice. But it wasn't said. He's bought a joint down south of the river, uh, closer to Coburn. That, that place is down in Bicton. We know all of that. That's already been broadcast. So um, I don't think either of the two stories that have been revealed today we're surprised by. The other thing was is that when the Fremantle hierarchy arrived back with a fair contingent, around 10 players that arrived back yesterday, uh, is that by the end of the week, they're looking for an indication from Logue, Lobb, Akers, Tucker, who we believe is going to nominate North Melbourne and maybe even Lloyd Meek, who under Phoenix management uh, are looking like that they might request a trade back to a Melbourne club. So there's obviously a lot of interest in him given the the football that he's played. But uh, certainly for, for Logue, Lobb, Acres specifically, I think we'll know more about their intentions by the end of the week. It sounds that more likely than not that the Dockers will say goodbye to all three of those players, particularly Lobb, Logue, maybe... Yeah, I think 50, he's... 50 Yeah, but, I reckon but, he's got more of a yeah, foot in the door than out. I agree. Um, and Akers, well, if it's a financial issue for him, then whether there's some bartering or some negotiations still to occur there, then Fremantle uh, may keep him. But I think that is also a, a tenuous uh, look, time for them. Look, he was, he was happy to stay and play for the same money that he's on currently. Uh, the same money that he got when he returned home from St Kilda. It's the same money that he's going to be playing for when he goes to Carlton because that's still where I think that he is going to end up because I just don't think the Freo either can't afford because they're invested in others. As we broadcast last night, Jeremy Sharp and Josh Corbett are a couple of players that uh, they've got uh, their, their tentacles into, which is good. It's good management. That's what you need to do. And I think that when you look at the age profile of players like Jeremy Sharp is 21, Jackson turns 21 on the 29th of September, they're going to have a core of players around that early 20s, which is uh, the, you know, the players he can bring through as a group, which is uh, quite exciting for the club. Yeah, and I think you have to give Fremantle a lot of credit because Will Brody, who I must admit when he was picked up, I, I didn't really raise an eyebrow. I just thought, oh, okay, that's uh, another player coming in. And he had a really good effect and and good impact on the club. So uh, the Dockers, if they've been savvy, which they have been over the past few years with their recruitment and trading, uh, they may well end up with the squad they want. But they have a lot of players, uh, good players, not just fringe players, good players that are looking for greener pastures. So your reaction to Luke Jackson, your reaction to Junior Rioli, West Coast have parted ways with Tom Joyce. Uh, He didn't play a game for West Coast and they're unlikely to cut uh, any more players until they return from their holidays. Many players overseas. So uh, they're not going to do it via email. Put it that way. Let's go to Sean in Beldivis. One double three eight eighty two. G'day, Sean. Yeah, g'day, fellas. Yeah, just with Junior, look, I'm super disappointed with that. However, I will give him a bit of an out. I'm connecting the dots. You know, we've got a lot of bloated contracts, you know, McGovern, Yo, Gaff, etc. Was it a case that the Eagles literally couldn't afford to pay him what he was worth? In which case, my, you know, all marks for him to go somewhere else. Because, I mean, list management, if they, if they load up on Rioli, then that's another guy that's taking up the majority of our salary cap. So was it a fair offer the Eagles made? Or, you know, how did it all work out? And let me just say this. Look, Willie Rioli is... Junior Rioli, 27 years of age. So he has played some pretty good footy, but since he's come back, Carl, from the 
sanction, the suspension, he's been, I know the fitness levels haven't been terrific and he's played some decent footy, but I I'm, I'm actually think that it's, it's, it's say, if he doesn't want to be here, as you said, that's, that's a very um, easy situation. Let him go. Make sure you get something strong in return. And, and the salary cap situation, the contract situation with the Eagles, look, Carl, if I think if they really wanted to, to keep him, they would. Mate, Rioli played this season 13 games, kicked 14 goals. Will he get better in the next two or three years? Do you think he can no. play better football than what he's played from no. 2018, that period there? Mate, in his premiership year at West Coast, he, he, he kicked the 28 goals in 24 games. So he's a, he's a goal a game forward. So Spectacular goal a game type forward though, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. And, and he constructs goals for other players. So um, let, let's uh, let's not, um, you know, talk him down. No, but, he's a very good player. But 2018 was four years ago. Four years ago. Uh, he hasn't played, you know, highly competitive footy. Certainly, I don't think, um, had the same sort of impact for the most part, given, you know, the opportunity that was there this season to play the games. Look, the sad passing of his father is significant. So he had um, a lot of a lot of turmoil away from the field that uh, has affected him this year. And I, and I just think from, um, from a West Coast perspective, though, he was on good money because he got a good contract after winning that premiership in 2018. So it's not like he's been underpaid in the last few years while the club supported him through his difficult times after he made that bad error um, when he, he substituted, essentially, um, uh, the, the day Urine that he sample, gave, his, yeah. gave his sample. So, look, in the end, for me, I don't think the offer would have been anywhere near what he was on, and I reckon that's fair enough. And if he can get a be- better deal somewhere else, that's the business. And you're right. Port Adelaide, if there's a family connection also, given what he's been through. He's looking financially as opposed to perhaps other aspects of making a decision. So, look, that's part of footy, and Junior Rioli has uh, made the call, and yeah. we wish him well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Tommy in Bayswater. G'day, Tom. Okay, gents. Mate, just a bit of a left field one. Like, you know, most people would think that Fremantle are in some sort of premiership window, either just entering it or perhaps still maybe a couple of years away. But what what chances do you think that Fremantle have of sitting down with Nat Five and saying, "Look, mate, you played, you know, fifteen games in the last two years. You're taking a big chunk of our salary cap. You want to finish your career with a premiership? How about we renegotiate your contract now for say maybe add a year to it?" Potentially, but maybe he gives up four or five hundred grand a year to keep some of the Blake Acres and these guys that ultimately will deliver success. I think that he ties up a big share of uh, of the player payments. That um, and you know, being a sensational player, I'm going that by fan. But perhaps um, you know, sacrificing a bit financially to keep a team together that could potentially um, give Freo their first one. Yeah, Tom, I like a lot of what you said there, and look, I think Geelong. Is a great template for this, Carl, because you look at the, the list that they've had over the past four or five years, and they've had recycled players, they've had stars in that group, but the word coming out of uh, GMHBA Stadium is that they've been willing, the bigger-name players, to sacrifice some dollars along the way. Now, Nat Five, it's interesting Tom said maybe give him a two-year deal. Are you confident enough in his body that he's going to last two years for starters, Carl? Well, the, the thing is, is that I had this same conversation a few years ago, around Lance Franklin. Now, Lance Franklin's been on a million big, big bucks. Money. A million bucks. In 2019, he played 10 games. How many did he play in 2020? Zero. Donuts. He didn't play a game. 
He played 18 the following season in, in 2021. So, you know, this is a similar sort of scenario where at that point his body had got to the point where, and, and look, he'd been so resilient prior to that, 22, 19, 21, 21, you know, 26, 24, 19 games. Hardly missed Hardly missed games. By the way, just quickly, have you heard anything update on, on his status with his contract? I haven't. It's no, gone no, quiet. No, it's just gone quiet. And yeah. obviously, until they bow out or win the grand final, yeah. that will probably stay as is. Yeah, exactly. But so so back to Nathan Fife. Look, I don't I don't see him taking a pay cut. No. Uh, as, but I wouldn't give him a two-year contract. I wouldn't give him an extra year at this, this point either, would you? Well, they're not talking about giving him no, an no, extra. No, no, no. Tom was saying maybe give him a two-year contract on less, less money. But look, next year he's contracted. But are you confident that his body, as I said, are you confident? Well, what we've seen in the past. It doesn't matter what I say. No, but it's an opinion. Well, from what we've seen, you you wouldn't be confident. But uh, what I will say is that look at the bounce back that Lance Franklin's had. I mean, he he, after missing Mm. basically a year and a half of footy, he played eighteen games in twenty twenty one, which was still a COVID affected season, and he's played twenty one matches. This year, so it can be done, and he's a couple of years older than Fifey. We've got to get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that some more. Join in. Come on, get involved. It's wet outside, so pick up the phone. Have a yak to us. Uh, Hands free, of course, if you're driving the car. It's twenty past six. Sports day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Niro, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au and Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Just some of the other news. Uh, there have been eight changes to the starting 15 for the Bledisloe Cup match against New Zealand in Melbourne. I think it's 30 years, isn't it, since we won the Bledisloe Cup. Gee, that's a long time. Davis Cup underway tonight in Hamburg, Germany. Australia taking on Belgium in round one. Thursday, it'll be France in round two. And Sunday, it'll be Germany in round three. Uh, Paul Gallon, front of the media today. He's going to fight two blokes on the same night. An hour apart, I believe. Ben Hannett and Justin Hodges. And he will join us in around half an hour's time. So uh, we better be- get back to the phones because people are waiting patiently. And Paul and Averley is first in this little segment. G'day, Paul. Yeah. Hey, oh, fellas. Far away, Paul. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about Nat Fife. I think uh, a lot of upside for next year if uh, you manage his games, uh, his game time, play him forward, uh, play him in the midfield at a pinch when you need to. Um, and I think, you know, if he gets his body right, you manage all of those things, um, he could get back to his best. And I think if you hand over the, the captaincy early, he's got, you know, um, he's, he doesn't have to carry that stress. And I just think he'd, he'd play a much freer sort of more natural game. And I think we'd see Nat uh, fight back to probably, you know, close to his best. Well, Paul, I, I agree um, with you. But just quickly, I think that's what they would have liked from him this year. Play him forward, manage his, his match time and certainly hoping to get uh, a bit more than what, handful of games out of him through the season and it just didn't eventuate. So you're 100% right. I'm not writing him off to say that he, he can't get back to some playing some good footy, but the history, the litany of injuries he's had uh, just raises that big question mark next to his name. But you don't write off a bloke that's won two Brownlows and is clearly a gun. And I, I think we all agree that perhaps it might be close to time to hand over the captaincy. You want to talk about Jared Berry as well? Yeah, yeah. I think um, fight or flight. I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think you know if you've got uh, if you're in a lot of pain and he had um, his elbow across his throat or across his jawline, and that obviously you know if you lash out, yes, he put a claw across his, his eyes, and I think maybe you could forgive him just in in that moment of, of pain. He was desperate to get him off, and I, I think that's probably why he got off, um, in, in in my opinion. But uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say, fellas. But great program, and uh, I'll um, hang up and. 
listen to what you have to say. Got any Paul? Yeah. Thanks if you call. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think he's lucky. You think so? right. I, I'm actually happy he got off because I don't think there I'm was happy for him. No, but also I think oh, geez, we've seen some blokes get off in finals time, and I, I don't think that was uh, an elbow or anything that caused any issue for Oliver. He played out the game. So no, I, I'm I'm happy to give him the benefit of the doubt on on that one. Uh, don't dig blind. Uh, check every time before you dig. One double three eight eighty two. If you would like to have a dig at someone or something, hey, you might want to have a, a dig at uh, Junior Rioli, who's leaving uh, the West Coast Eagles, or Melbourne fans. You might want to have a dig at Luke Jackson, or you might have a dig at uh, something else. So let's go to Muzzer and Beckenham. G'day, Muzz. Yeah, g'day, boys. Look, I'm not sure what. Um... West Coast could get for Willie Rioli, but as far as I'm concerned, it's a bloody disgrace on his behalf. He owes the club. He could have been let go. Who knows where he could have been now. They've supported him you know, for this whole process, done the right thing by him. It's the least he can do is show some conviction and stay loyal to West Coast and stay there for another two or three years at least. And I just think it's pretty poor by him. And he's got no moral compass, you know, behaving like this and doing what he's doing, I, I, I think. What do you guys reckon? And uh, what would be a good uh, trade for him if he, to get stuff from Porello? Maybe Georgie Hayes and someone else? I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's the question. They have to look down the, the list and see if they can uh, do a trade, uh, whether Port Adelaide can be the, the place that they get a player from or whether there's a, a third party involved, potentially. I'm just trying to think, you know, if if the Eagles, though, Carl, had delisted or, or just cast aside Junior Rioli during that period, would there have been people say, look, the Eagles have been callous, have been extremely harsh on, on Willie Rioli at a time of need? I think that would have been the criticism at the time if they hadn't have kept him on the list. Well, you don't think so? Uh, it's, All it's, I'm saying is it, the club's been – would would have been absolutely hammered if they hadn't have looked after him. And now Junior Rioli, who's decided to walk. There's always a, there's all, always a duty of care that clubs would would be conscious of. There's also, with the AFL Players Association, though, the the support and care – for Willie Rioli because all of a sudden he would have become a deregistered player, for example, which is essentially what could have happened to him. But And this is why some people are, are disappointed, including Trevor Nisbet, who has made his, uh, his feelings very clear. But in the end, the game is a business and we are seeing more players move football clubs. Willie Rioli got an offer, nowhere near the money that he was currently on, I believe. And he sought through his management to arrange a better deal over a longer term, which gives him a chance to earn more money over a longer period of time in an industry that's only relatively short. So, you know, you can't begrudge individuals leaving. I mean, the loyalty factor's gone out the window years ago. As long as you, as you, as long as you, if you're going to criticise players for a lack of loyalty, that you also put clubs into that same bracket because yeah. it, it happens both ways. And be, but you're right, though, the, 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 the balance now seems to be players are, are having a, a greater power, a greater say. Now, that may be a good thing. Well, let's go back to, say, Josh Kennedy. Josh Kennedy was overseas, I believe, when Carlton had essentially done a deal with West Coast so that uh, they could get Chris Judd. And he didn't want to go. No, he didn't want to go. But I think in the end he was glad that he ended up where he ended up. And I think we know, well, I think I'm I'm of the view that West Coast won the deal. You know, if you think of Marston and, and, and him. I, I and, think both, both were winners. Well, Carlton didn't get a flag, and that's what you play the game for. 
No, I mean just judge on just an individual accolade, Brownlow, but that's yep. not where. But that's not what you play the game for. It's not an individual sport. Individual accolades come along, but it takes a lot of uh, a lot of teammates to actually help. I think to get the ultimate goal, and uh, you can't do it on your own. Greg in Kensington, g'day. Hey, go, mate. Now listen with the trade here. Look, I got it all sussed out. Just sit down, get the pen out. So what happens here is Rioli goes to Port Adelaide, which is awesome. Pal Pepper goes to Fremantle and Rory Lobb goes to the Eagles. How's that? The problem is Rory Lobb wants to go to Melbourne because that's where his, his, uh, I think his partner is, is based there. So uh, yeah. that probably doesn't add up for Rory Lobb. Um, if he was going to stay in Perth, I'd imagine he'd stay at the Dockers, Carl. And when it comes to Pal Pepper, uh, interesting, he hasn't really... I mean, he's, he's been a Medi sub quite regularly. He's an impact player, but I'm not sure that the Eagles will entertain getting involved in a trade involving Sam Pal Pepper uh, with uh, the Junior Rioli situation. You might think differently, Carl. No, no, I agree. I, I just, um, yeah, I, I think for West Coast, they, they're on a, a rebuilding phase and I don't think they're going to be going down that track. Um, and no, Lob won't be going to Freo. And uh, nor, West Coast. Nor, uh, West Coast, sorry, and nor will Lloyd Meek, even though they'd probably like to have him uh, down there. I don't know that West Coast and Freo have been too kind to each other Hasn't been years. a lot of love over the no. journey, has there, with trades? No. And, uh, <laughs> and, no, and neither there should be. You know, like there's a line drawn down the, it's like the Swan River, and if you live that side and this side, yeah, but you still should should be able to make your club better by trading with someone that, even though they're the enemy, you can still advance your cause for next season. But nah, you're right, they won't do it. <laughs> they won't do it, mate. <laughs> See, you're a realist. You got you. Uh, join in. Uh, don't uh, dig blind. Lodge a free dial before you dig. Inquire every time if you want to have a dig. Uh, and what's hot for you? Thanks to the Darnap Butchering Company's taste of the Darnap Valley Spring Lamb. More of your calls after this. We'll also update uh, the injuries after a short break. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Paul Gallant to join us shortly. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Rod in Balladura. G'day, Rod. Hi, hi guys. Uh, my, my question is in regards to the Willie Rioli trade. Can the West Coast Eagles do what Geelong did to us in regards to Tim Kelly deal? In other words, if we're not satisfied with the potential deal, um, we allow him to go into the draft and he could be picked up by anyone. For Willie Rioli? Uh, sorry, Junior Rioli? Yep. Well, Junior Rioli, uh, to my mind, out of contract. He's, he's out of contract. Out of contract. That, that, that's, that's the difference. I mean... It's a it's a situation where he can effectively call the shots. I mean, Carl, most times in this situation, the player and the club, for instance, the West Coast Eagles, there's some goodwill there so that the player gets to where he wants to go, but there's also uh, trying to make sure that the West Coast Eagles, in this case, have a, a result on their behalf. That tends to be the goodwill that goes with manager and player who are departing. Yeah, do the do the best deal that you can. Uh, it's unlike, say, a player um, that wants to move to a club when he's already got a contract. Mm. That's where it trying to think. Be... What's, what's the most obvious example of that in recent times? Just trying to think off the top of our well, heads. Who was the who was the G, who was the GWS player that came back to Fremantle and Cam McCarthy? They made him sit out for a year. Yeah, exactly. And he came back under the under the guise. Well, Lob, Lob wanted to go to GWS last year. True. And Fremantle didn't Do end up negotiating a deal. Um, I think uh, the little fella, the Ford Pocket, Bobby Hill, wanted Bobby to Hill. leave. Yep. 
He never got to Essendon. We're watching that uh, the, the documentary on Stan, of course. That's how. What was that called? Show me the money. Where uh, Colin Young and Co. and Andrew McDougall exactly went through that process of of trying to get a player to a club. But when you're under contract, it can be done. Mm. But the club that's going to lose or certainly lose the player, they have suddenly got some bullets in their revolver. So you know, that's that's the the one key advantage for the player or the the club that that has a contract next to the name. Mind you, it's often. So it comes to pass that they leave. Well, yeah, but but I mean, for Freo this year, it's probably better to have Lob than not have him. True. For, for what they could have maybe potentially got, they might have got maybe another player for the future. We don't know what the negotiation looked like, but, um, you know, he played all right. Uh, Danny and Atwell, good day, Danny. Hi, guys. I just wanted to talk, uh, just mention a tactic that I've noticed uh, about the stand rule um, in, re- in regarding the Collingwood and Freo game, where mm-hmm. when the Collingwood you know, a player would take a mark or gain a free kick. Um, no, sorry, when the Frio player would take a mark and gain a free kick, the Collingwood player will point at the ground and run roughly five metres back. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought it was a good tactic because when the, when, the Colling, when the Frio player would go to play on, the Collingwood player just had a, more ground to apply pressure instead of standing there um, stunned. And not not being able to do anything, basically just be you know a man down. And I and I just I thought if you replay it like and have a look at it, I just think it's a really good tactic in regards to the stand rule. Like, why would you stand there when you can just run five meters back and then have that little run up to apply pressure while the while the while your opponent's about to kick it? Yeah, Danny, uh, good point. Uh, but I don't think it's Collingwood specific. We've seen that regularly now, don't we, Carl? With players on the mark, get back the required distance, so therefore the stand rule becomes irrelevant. And you and I, oh, just be honest with me, do you think the stand rule has done what it's been intended to do? And that, that to me, is open up the game and have more scoring. Has it done it? Mate, all it does is <laughs> gives away frustrating, cheap 50-metre penalties when they don't deserve it. That's yeah. all it's done. Yeah, so, I agree. So, and, 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 the, and the goal kicking's worse. Because they all try to go around. At the 50-metre arc, yep. Yep, all off balance happens, and they miss. But it also happens at WAFL level, no. happens at the AFL. They, As you said, the statues there, they try to give themselves that extra bit of momentum and, and given there might be 50 metres out, they run to the right, run to the left, and guess what? They miss. That then that You know that giant disc they introduced into the game to bounce the footy on? That this is the second worst rule behind that one. Uh, one double three eight eighty two. There you go. There's my dig for the night. Uh, don't dig blind. Uh, now SKG Radiology care about your welfare, and that's why they got rid of that disc because uh, <laughs> Sean Wren broke down. They got he got sued. Uh, they're now bulk billing. Uh, what does the medical room look like, Skeet? Let's check in Friday night Brisbane, who had some issues going into the semi final. Oscar McInerney, who was concussed against Richmond, is listed as a test. He trained well today. Is expected to pass his final concussion test and take his spot against the Cats. Looking at Geelong and they've got a couple of tests well certainly one, Jake Collar-Jasney who did his knee remember uh, was substituted out of the qualifying win against Collingwood so uh, they're pretty optimistic that he'll be available for the prelim. He trained away from the main group on Monday but he's expected to receive another fitness test in the coming days and hopefully will be fit to take his place in the side. Uh, Outside of that for Saturday, Collingwood Uh, well the availability is of Jordan Degoe who had the shoulder issue Sounds like he, he got through really well after that game against the Dockers because, of course, he was best on ground or close to it. Um, Darcy Moore had a, a couple of issues on the weekend dealing with illness after a couple of days in bed. Um, but they're pretty much healthy, the Collingwood Magpies. As for the Sydney Swans, well, for them, um, it looks like it's pretty smooth sailing. The only player, I'm not sure he get back. 
but wouldn't it be a fairy tale if he could? Josh Kennedy nah. he's a TBC. He's got the hamstring. If they get through to the grand final, you're right. Why would you change? Even for a champion of the game, would you play him as a medi-sub? Probably not. But anyway, he's he's training. I think he's still trying to keep himself in the mix just well, in case. breaks down. Absolutely. Mate, he could get an opportunity. So the fairy tale isn't over just yet. But uh, that is our SKG radiology. They care about your welfare now. Bulk billing, Medicare, rebatable services across all 20 locations. Just recapping some of the news for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, 21 years in a row. Uh, counting down to the Davis Cup action getting underway over there in Hamburg, Germany. Australia take on Belgium tonight. Uh, the Aussie women's uh, basketball team to play Friday night. They'll get underway at 6.30 Western Standard Time. Their first opponent is France. On Sunday, they take on Belgium. Global rankings were out uh, too today with Australia in third, Belgium a fifth. France, who they play, uh, of course, on Friday night, a sixth. And Japan are eighth. And that is ahead of the Basketball World Cup, which isn't too far away. And uh, Paul Gallon, our next... uh, our next guest, Skeet, is going to join us in a moment. Uh, in front of the media today, there was a fair bit going on too between the boys, uh, the the bickering, and uh, Ben Hannett says, uh, you're barking a lot, and Paul Gallon says, uh, I'll be biting you on Thursday. And he had a crack at Justin Hodges' uh, kids. He says, uh, kiss your kids uh, goodnight before you come to the fight because uh, you hear that ambulance that's going past, you'll be going home in it. Well, some things don't change in boxing, and the pre-match or the pre-bout press conference is just another example of some of the absolute rubbish that comes out of the mouths. Yeah, and gonna... They're promoting it, Carl. It's all theatre. You know that. Oh, you... I don't know. Oh, I... turn no, it up, Barry. Little... No, it was a bit different. Like, I'm going to throw this at Gal. Oh. I reckon it was a bit different to what okay. I saw today. There sort of was a fair bit of feeling, and yeah. it's this sort of like New South Wales-Queensland thing. I mean, these blokes just are fully ingrained in where they come from. Oh, I would be surprised after the... the press conference, they went behind and had a bit of a giggle and then went their own separate ways. Anyway, uh, just a shout out the Perth Footy League. University has reached the 100 Premiership milestone with a big win for their C4 reserve side on the weekend, so well done to them. And of course, huge news at the AFL Tribunal tonight with Jared Berry cleared to play against Geelong in a preliminary final. So that is massive after that uh, raking the eyes uh, allegation against uh, Clayton Oliver was overturned. And, and by the way, Carl, for what it's worth, um, today... If he was alive, Shane Warne would be 53 years of age. So uh, the King, the Shane Warne stand, of course, will be there next week for the grand final to have a look at uh, how that looks. And it's been a while since I've been to the G, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. When was the last time he went to Dorian Gardens? Because the state government made an announcement today, a $410,000 facelift for the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023. So 200000 from the federal government, $200,000 from the state government, and $10,000 from the Perth Soccer Club. I was there with John Saxon from the, the National Rugby League here in Perth for a uh, Anzac Day match between Australia and New Zealand Rugby League. And it's a really good little boutique ground. So it's... It's great sport. It's uh, tucked away in North Perth near my neck of the woods. And, yeah, that's great to see the d- development take place there. It's a, it's a small area, but uh, there's a, a great little atmosphere at Dorian Gardens. Yeah, well, let's hope uh, that that might give uh, Perth Glory another venue to maybe play oh, a few dear. games at because, of course, it all comes down to the lighting. And if they are able to get the lighting to the standard, then that might be a little that's bit not, of a short-term fix. Short, that in short term, they can do that, can they? Well, essentially, they might be able to, but we'll have to crossed. see. Let's hope that they can sort something out. Uh, now, we've got to get to a break. On the other side, we'll come back. Paul Gallon is going to join us. Uh, thanks to the Dudnut Butchering Company Taste of Dudnut Valley Spring Lamb. It's great to have your company tonight. And Paul Gallon, be interested to hear what he's got to say after this. Traffic. 
Thanks, boys. Thanks, buddy. On 0487 Still working to clear the crash. Row Highway northbound north of Brixton Street overpass. Traffic banked up back down to Nicholson Road. So slow going through there. The Mitchell Freeway, Quinana Freeway, Graham Farmer in the north. Sports Day. Thanks to Kia. The all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Our number is one double three eight eighty two. I'm looking forward to Thursday night because we are going to see a unique opportunity for those that love their boxing. Paul Gallon is taking on, he's a New South Welshman, of course. He's taking on two Queenslanders, and we saw him going at it with a bit of verbal jousting earlier today. And I'm glad to say that Paul Gallon joins us here on Sports Day. Gal, welcome, mate. How you going? Hey, boys, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay now. Just, um, yeah, a bit, of, a bit of rough and tumble today and a bit of carry-on, but that's boxing, isn't it? So I just had to get through that and, uh, yeah, just take it easy for the night and get ready for the weigh-in tomorrow and hope there's no more shenanigans going on. Well, Ben Hannett says you're barking a lot. Uh, you said, well, I'll be biting a lot on Thursday. And uh, with Justin Hodges, uh, you, you hear the ambulance uh, going past. He says you'll be going home in it. There, there was a bit going on today, Gal, a bit more than usual for you. Yeah, it was, it was a bit like that. Look, it's, uh, you know, this is um, Dubbers and Origin fight night. And when you think about the state of Origin clashes I've had against these blokes in the past and, how much has been mistaken. Unfortunately for me, they've generally come out on top, and I'm up here once again in their hometown, fighting them here and on their in their backyard. So um, it is a big occasion for me, and I suppose the emotion probably got the best of all of us today, and uh, probably all said some silly things and stuff that just comes out. But you know, that's part and parcel of a bit of a boxing. It is, it is personal. It does get personal. We're going to get in the ring and try and punch each other in the face. So I don't think you get too much more personal than that. Um, yeah, so things were personal. Said things were said today, but um, that's just part of the build-up. And we'll get through the way in tomorrow, and we get to get in on Thursday and sort it all out. And hope that the interval will shake hands and move on. Yeah, let's be honest. A bit of theatre involved in that, which we all love. So uh, that's that's part of the build-up, uh, Gal. Now, obviously, it's a it's a rarity, and certainly I haven't heard of it before, where someone like yourself is taking on two boxes in the one night. Uh, what, what's been the preparation change, or have you had to uh, just shift your uh, schedule to try and accommodate what's going to happen on Thursday night? Yeah, look, it hasn't happened in over 130 years, so it hasn't been a long time since it has happened. And, uh, I still don't know in what order I'm fighting them, so I don't know where who's going to go first, who's going to go second, but I do know there's going to be like an hour's break in between, the first one and the second one, so that's pretty much how I've been training the past two or three weeks. I've just been like coming in, doing my cardio session, going home or taking it easy, going and getting a coffee, killing an hour and going back and doing some boxing. Or if I had a sparring session, I'd go for a run before the sparring session, have an hour's break and then do the sparring session after that. So I've sort of become accustomed to training pretty intensely and pretty hard, you know, in a, in a short period of time. And that's what the fight night's going to be like. I've got to fight one of these guys, have an hour off and then go back and fight the other one. So um, although I don't know who it is at the moment, I'm well prepared and uh, I've got no excuses come Thursday, I'll get the job done. Now, they were whinging at you because you're a professional boxer and they're just a couple of uh, rugby league players and they were bitching at you because it was only four rounds of two minutes and you said, well, we can make it longer if you like. Who, who determined the lengths of the fight, Gal, in the first place? No, it was, it was them, as they've, as they've said. I've had you know, 10, 10 rounds going three minutes and 
I said to them, I said, look, I'm hoping to go eight rounds. I could probably have done ten if they forced to, but I knew them boys wouldn't get five rounds each. So, so I said, let's do four rounds each. That gives me eight three-minute rounds, and I'll fight them back-to-back. And um, the Combat Sports Authority wouldn't actually allow that. They wouldn't allow me to fight two opponents back-to-back. I need to have that hour's break. But um, I said, well, let's do four three-minute rounds each, and they come back and they said, no, they won't be able to do it. They're only going to do two-minute rounds. So, yeah, the fact that they were whinging about stuff like that and uh, it was a bit weird today and the fact they were you know, talking about rugby league when this is an individual sport, you know, it just was going all over the place today. But as I said, we get to get sorted out on Thursday and I'll get the win. So who's the more accomplished in your mind or what you've heard, either Justin or Ben? Have you got some inkling as to who goes better? Well, they fought each other two or three months ago, and that's how this all come about. They fought each other, and all that they couldn't get my name out of their mouth, saying, "You know, I want the winner. The winner's <laughs> going to fight me. The winner's going to fight Gal." And when I heard about it, I sort of, I jokingly wrote on social media, "Maybe I should fight both at the same time." And sure enough, here we are. So, um, Justin Hodges actually won that fight. He beat uh, Ben Hannett over four rounds and uh, got the points, but. I think Ben Hanna's probably a tougher guy. I think he'll land a solid shot on, uh, on Ben Hanna. He might be able to handle it a bit better than Justin, but Justin obviously won the fight against him too, so I think um, you know, it's fair to say he's probably the better boxer. Rugby League, uh, I can't let you go, Gal, without asking about uh, your beloved Cronulla Sharks and uh, an epic but uh, heartbreaking loss to the Cowboys. Uh, how are they going to recover to take on the Rabbitohs this weekend? Yeah, it's going to be a big ask. Mate. What a heartbreaking loss, I mean, 30 points so I'd be beaten by especially Valentine Holmes, a former Sharks player to kick a forty five metre field goal after, you know, you know, ten or ten or so minutes early we scored a try that was disallowed because Val was taken out. So it's uh, yeah, a lot of things went on and uh, they've got to recover. I mean mentally they've got to turn around. They've got no choice. They can't they can't be kicking stones all week and worrying about what happened. They've got to worry about whether they can control next and that's playing this week. And if they recover physically, which I'm sure these days you know, clubs are so good at allowing players plenty of rest and to recover physically, maybe take it for a swim. Um, there'll be a, lighter, a little bit of a lighter session on the field. They're really good at that these days, the clubs. So I'm sure come uh, Saturday night, if the boys have recovered yeah, physically well enough, mentally they should be in a good enough state and they can get the job done against South Sydney, who are playing pretty well on the back of Latrell Mitchell, but they've lost um, big birds this weekend. That's a big loss of them through the middle. So I think um, they'll get the job done, the Sharkies. Yeah, the Roosters, Rabbitohs, it was uh, pretty full on on the weekend. There was lots of uh, referees' whistles being blown. And just quickly, Parramatta, Canberra, who gets through there? Oh, mate, I don't know. I, I, I tip Parramatta being the grand final at the start of the year. Uh, they're obviously still alive at the moment, but they've pretty well beaten by Penrith the other day. They're pretty well dominated, to be honest. And, and Canberra have just stuck in the eight. They only just got in the eight from results pretty much in the last round, around 25. But they're playing pretty well. They're full of confidence at the moment. I, I, it's a flip of the coin for me, honestly. I'm, I'm going to say Parramatta just because they finished high on the ladder, but honestly, it's a flip of the coin. Well, you've got to go with your gut feel. And if uh, you tipped them at the start of the year, Gary, you've got to back them in. But uh, good to see Canberra roll Melbourne and see them out of uh, the finals race, which was uh, one of the best results, I think, that we saw out of the weekend. Hey, mate, good luck on Thursday. We'll be watching. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. See you soon. Talk soon. Good on you. Paul Gallon joining us here on Sports Day. Nice to have him on the program. Thanks to the Dardanup Butchering Company's Valley Spring Lamb, available at WA's best restaurants, hotels and cafes. We'll clear a commitment, come back and tell you what's coming up after the 7 o'clock news next here on Sports Day. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot.
Now, after the 7 o'clock news, we'll continue our waffle preview to the finals with Mark Hutchings from the West Perth Football Club joining us first. Mitch Norton from our Perth Wildcats, fresh off the back of their double headers against Adelaide, 36ers on the weekend, down there at Eton in Bunbury and, of course, at Joonal up on Sunday. And we'll have a chat to Madison Ashby, Rugby Sevens World Champions. So that was fantastic. And Josh Y will join us, our NFL expert. So all of that ahead of us after the 7 o'clock news that's coming up next here on 6PR. For the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. Sports Day, thanks to Kia. The all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Nice to have your company here on Sports Day as we kick off this hour, thanks to the Kia Nero, available as a hybrid or full electric model. And it's nice to have Mark Hutchings from the West Perth Football Club joining us here on Sports Day. Welcome, Hutchie. How are you, mate? Hey, guys. Yeah, good, mate. How are you guys going? We're going all right. Uh, finished top of the tree and uh, having a week off. Uh, what did you get up to? Yeah, it was good. Uh, all three grades down at West Perth uh, finished on top of the ladder, which is um, the first time it's ever happened, uh, and it's a great result for the club. Um, but, yeah, had the weekend off. We trained Saturday morning, uh, blow a few cobwebs out. Uh, a few lads went down to watch some of the games over the weekend, uh, East Ferry versus Claremont. Um, and, yeah, just took it easy, mate. Um, rest up for before this weekend's game. East Fremantle, your opponents on Saturday, were very impressive. Thought they might have had some nerves, some anxiety about playing in the finals for the first time in eight years, but they hardly missed a beat. Yeah, they played well and had a big win over Claremont. So we'll be facing them this week. Uh, they finished second, so had a really good season themselves. So it'd be a, it'd be a tough game. it would be a big game up at Joondalup. Um We'll be ready, and I'm sure they'll be, they'll be ready as well, coming off a nice win. So... Um, or to play for. Hutchie, your club was a club under the microscope not so long ago, uh, financially troubled uh, and had to do some really good deals, got some great people back to support the club who are fully ingrained with West Perth. Uh, it, it runs through their veins. Darren Harris, who's a premiership player at your club, comes back to coach and you finish, as you've already said, top three in all grades. What do you reckon has been the catalyst for what's happened on the field is stability off the field helping you reckon? Oh yeah, it, it always helps mate. Um, and to have Harrod come back, he's a very experienced classy coach. Um, he's, he's played his part, but he'd be the first to admit it's not just him. Um, the, and like over the last few years, West Perth as a footy team on the field has been really competitive and it was just a matter of, um, getting all the pieces to sort of gel, uh, and come together. So Harry's done that, done that really well. Um, but all the coaches have um, bought in, all the players have bought in um, at the seniors level and the Colts, there's a bit of talent coming through there. So, um, and with Colts, it can be a bit seasonal. You know, it goes from year to year, depending on the crop that you have come through. But it just sort of the stars all aligned this year and to have that stability off the field, as you said, um, definitely helps. But yeah, the players have bought in and, um, given great effort all year. The Falcons appear well-catered for all over the ground. Your forward line with Kytel and not your midfield's been very experienced and you're one of that group of players. But down back, Mark Hamilton, uh, lost for the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. You know, John O'Marsh is a bit of a beast for East Fremantle, for instance. How much of a loss is Hamilton? 
Yeah, like before we missed, he was having a great season himself. Um, and to go down a couple of weeks ago, shattering for him uh, and for and for the boys. But um, we yeah, over the season we've had sort of ups and downs and got good depth through the back line. So I think um, Pegararo, he's um, ready and raring to go. Um, and we've got yeah, blokes that can cover cover um, Hamilton's spot. Unfortunately for him, he won't be out there. But um, yeah, got good depth all, across all lines. So hopefully. Um, we can we can cover these for our, these for our forwards. Three names I'm recalling that played in the last premiership for West Perth: Aaron Black, Shane Nelson, a bloke called Mark Hutchings who won the Simpson Medal. Uh, it seems a long time ago, but gee, you would love a chance to get back to that position and the chance to win another one. Yeah, it, 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 it has seemed a, quite a while, but sort of time's flown. I think it's nine years. Uh, 2013 is when it happened, and um, West Perth made a few grand finals since then, but haven't haven't quite got it done. So, yeah, to to get a chance, we've got to make the grand final first, um, and hopefully wrap that up this weekend. Um, but yeah, just to make another grand final would be great, great achievement. But once you're there, hopefully uh, you can go all the way. So, um, yeah, and to get a whole a whole new crop of Premiership players down at West Perth, that's that's the aim. Um, so yeah, to, to have the chance. Hopefully we we earn that right and uh, and see how we go from there. Now, Hutchie, correct me if I'm wrong, mate, but I, I don't think that uh, you got a, a league game this season until about round ten. Um, was it purely just injuries? Uh, what was the the holdback at the start of the season for you? Yeah, so I had a hernia repair um, in the preseason, and so that took a bit of time to heal, and then um, obviously need to build fitness and. Um, conditioning from there, so a little bit frustrating start to the season for me. Um, but yeah, as the team still performed really well, and um, yeah, worked my way back in and um, touch wood, uh, it's all good and in, in at the right time of the year. So um, you yeah, hope it's smooth sailing um, in the next few years as well. And how's it been, Hutchie? Um, you know, like getting back into that time, I mean, a bit like a duck to water, just having a look at your stats 20-plus times, kicked a couple of goals. So that was uh, a nice way to, to get your spot back in the side. But um, at the level, how, how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, any any game of footy you play, it's tough. Um, it's competitive uh, no matter what level, AFL, Waffle, and I'm sure the bloke's playing ammos and country it's um when you when you lace them up and you get out there it's uh you 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 put in a shift so um going back to waffle like it's it's been refreshing there's a hell of a lot less training um but the standard's still really high um, and the players uh, right across the board um are talented and uh, in their own right so um yeah definitely no easy kicks out there uh, but, yeah, it's, it's still enjoyable having a kick with your mates. Sharks won a high-scoring thriller at the Wacker earlier in the season. Then, round 16, you got them at Pentanet Stadium. Of course, Blaine Bokhurst went down with a knee injury. How important is it just to have Joonal up for you as a, a safety blanket? It just you feel so comfortable there. and It has to be worth three or four goals, the way you play the ground, the way you are energised by your home crowd. Yeah, I mean, sort of training there two or three nights a week for... You know, 40 weeks of the year, you get used to it. Um, like any home ground, the, the home team sort of just accustomed to the wind, to the dimensions of it. The home crowd, love our fans who come, who come down. So um, it is maybe a slight advantage, but 
um, you still got to you still got to put in the effort and get the job done because um, um, it's not like the AFL where you got to fly into state if you're playing your way. You just drive half an hour and you're still the away team. So um, it is maybe a slight advantage, but um, when it comes down to it on the day, it's uh, who puts in um, and executes the best. They executed pretty well last week, didn't they? They uh, blew Claremont off the park. Yeah, mate. Yeah, they're dangerous. They've had a great year. They've finished second and, yeah, played really well last year. They're hungry, tough. So, um, yeah, it won't be easy for sure, mate. Good on you, Hutchie. Thank you very much for joining us here on Sports Day tonight, mate, and all the best for the weekend. Oh, cheers, lads. Take it easy. Semi-final fixtures. Saturday, West Perth versus East Fremantle at Pinternet Stadium. That gets underway at 10 past two, listeners. And on Sunday, Claremont versus Peel Thunder at Revo Fitness Stadium, 10 past two. Uh, I think it's 10 past three that game gets underway. No, it is 10 past two. I'll tell you why, Carl. It has been a change. No, ah. that's fair enough because the Brownlow medal, of course, is now on Sunday. So the coverage on TV will start at five o'clock. And therefore, it means the waffle has to start at 2 o'clock, not 3 o'clock. So it's a scheduling uh, change purely because of what's happened, uh, the, the passing of the Queen. Beautiful. So I don't want to tell people it's 10 past 3, otherwise they'll get there at half time. So that's, uh, that's a great clarification. The other clarification I'd like to get from you tonight, uh, Peel Thunder, uh, because of Fremantle being out of the AFL, what does it mean now for the Peel Thunder side and who is going to be available for selection? Not everyone's fit, but who's available for selection this week? Well, eligible to play uh, and there's a couple of injuries. I mean, Tucker is out injured. We know that, but I think Sturt, Croden, Wilson, Hughes, Blakely, Hamling, Meek, Henry, Amos, Erasmus, Weston, Tracy, Benning, Warner, Quek, I think still injured, and Johnson. So that might be 12, I think. I'm hoping I've got the right number there, but that's the, the core who are going to be eligible for Sunday afternoon against the Tigers. All right, and if you've just joined us here on Sports Day, Luke Jackson has informed Melbourne that he wants to return home to Western Australia. And Junior Rioli has nominated Port Adelaide. He's informed West Coast that he would love to be traded to the Port Adelaide Football Club. We need to clear a commitment. That's our waffle update for the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. We'll have a chat to our Perth Wildcat next, Mitch Norton. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero, available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot, spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company. And thanks to Repco Authorised Service, for expert car service book online at repcoservice.com. Nice to have Mitch Norton, Perth Wildcats, down in the Bunbury region on the weekend, getting up close and personal with the locals too, I here. Uh, Mitch, welcome. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. How was it down south? All right? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, it's always good to take the, the show on the road, I guess, and um, you know, get out to um, see some fans that necessarily wouldn't be able to make it to RMC Arena or anything like that. So, um, no, it was a very cool environment to be in um, and a uh, successful one for us uh, starting out. How's the chemistry amongst the group with a few personnel changes, Mitch? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it does take time to build relationships and uh, some synergy on the floor. Um, and I think that's why these games, um, you know, against Adelaide on the weekend were so important because when you're playing and training against the same guys, it does get a little bit old. But, um, no, I think it really 
it really kind of speeds up that process. Um, and I think a week in Darwin will also um, help that. How defensively minded were the matches given you scored 97, Adelaide 91 in June up on Sunday. And of course, it was 98 87 in Eton on the previous two days before that. Uh, was it a bit more open than, than what a normal NBL game would be? Yeah, I think so. Um, defensively for us, I think we're a lot more aggressive this year. Um, and with that, I think, you know, it allows us to get out and run. And I think there was a lot more possessions in the game just because both teams were kind of trying to play really quick and fast. And with that comes some turnovers and, and you know, some easy layups or, or whatnot for the other team. So I think both teams are just trying to find their feet. Um, that's probably why the scores were, were so high. Tell us about John Riley, mate, the impact that he's had. Yeah, he's been amazing. <clears throat> right from the get-go, he's come in and, and kind of um, laid it all out on the table for us and, and, you know, wants our backbone to be our defense. So um, I know a lot of Wildcats fans are, are excited about that because in the past that's kind of been a, been a steady diet of uh, of success for the, for the team when that is the case. So um, he's come in and, and made a massive impact straight away and, um, just love, you know, the energy provides the group day in and day out. Um, you know, he's the number one, I guess, cheerleader at times, but uh, he can definitely put his foot down and, and demand um, some excellence from us. What about the blitz that gets underway on Saturday? You take on Cairns uh, first and then Monday and Wednesday, you'll back up playing further games. Uh, what about the boys that uh, say have got an injury concern? Brady Manick, have, uh, his ankle, Majok Majok, uh, Jesse Wagstaff, uh, old age, no, no, a hamstring soreness. Uh, Corey Sherville hurt his foot. Uh, Jack Andrew with his ankle. Um, how many of those blokes do you expect to be available? Will all of them be ready to go? Uh, not 100% sure. Um, I know some are definitely looking a bit better than others. Um, obviously Brady played in that last game uh, against Adelaide, so it was good for him to get his first hit out against uh, an NBL team. Um, so yeah, I think right now it's kind of just day to day. We've got um, we train today. We've got two more tough days of training, and then we jump on the plane. So um, a lot of time between uh, now and that first game, and and hopefully um, yeah, we can get a couple more big fellas on the floor. <laughs> good news to Sean Thomas, cleared of major damage to his left ankle. 19 points, four rebounds. And, of course, Bryce Cotton with 20 points and three rebounds. We know what he can do. Uh, talk us through the mindset of this group after missing the playoffs last year. Your coach departs. Uh, feeling of, I guess, from a fan's perspective, what's next and can you bounce pretty quickly? What is the feeling amongst your group about getting back to the business end of the season? Yeah, I think, you know, whenever you come into an organisation like Perth, um, you know, there's one, I guess, goal in mind, and that's to win a championship. Um, and I think the teams that shy away from saying that, um, you know, are kind of lying to themselves. Um, so I think for us to, you know, not make the playoffs, not win a championship, um, you know, it all kind of falls into one category um, as us falling short of our goal. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of hunger and determination, I think, um, you know, coming from where we were last season, um, but I love how we've hit the ground running this year. And um, I think everyone, players, staff, everyone included um, that were involved in the season last year, definitely learned a lot about 
um, themselves and and um, how we can improve. We do forget, though, mate, it was a season like most uh, that were affected big time by COVID, COVID restrictions, flying, teams uh, forced to relocate and all of that thrown into the melting pot. So hopefully we get back to some sort of normality, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I think we're most excited about. Um, you know, just a steady diet of of home and away games and, and you know, allowing fans to actually plan to rock up and, and see us play um, and not have it cancelled or postponed or anything like that. Um, because as I said, you know, we do have a great support base and it does spread far and wide um, across WA. So I think um, to get back to some normality will be will be great for our fan base as well. Mitch, can you just give us a little bit of an insight in what we can expect uh, to see? Is there a certain style that we can see? Are we going to see a distinct difference or is it really going to be about a game which predominantly built your championships? You know, you're a championship player from 1920, which were, were built very strongly around defence. Yeah, I think defensively, um, you know, we're going to be a lot more aggressive. Um, so I guess similar to years, in the past, um, I think John really has done a great job of that. I guess being involved with that boomers um, culture and, and the way they play uh, and get after t- European teams and, and whatnot. So I think that side of, I guess, the ball will be a lot more aggressive. And, and on the flip side, offensively, you know, in the last, I guess, last year, we were a, we were a great offensive team. Um, it was just the defensive side of things that kind of let us down at times. So I think... Um, our focus has, has been all defensive and, and offense, just get out and run and, and have some fun, which is, um, you know, it sounds easy, but at times there, there'll be a couple of turnovers and whatnot, but as long as they're aggressive and, um, and in the right way, I think that they're the ones that we'll happy, be, be happy to live with. Speaking with Mitch Norton, Perth Wildcats on Sports Day. Uh, Luke Travers, having returned from his time with Cleveland, have you noticed any difference or an improvement to his game or certainly the knowledge that he garnered while he had some time over there in the NBA, albeit brief? I have. Uh, I've noticed uh, a lot of improvement um, in his game. Uh, he's come out of his shell a hell of a lot more as well. So he's, he's talking to some of his teammates, which <laughs> in seasons gone by, probably he's been very quiet and reserved. Um, so it's really good to see that side of things. I think just, you know, the weight lifted off his shoulders of, you know, will he get drafted? Won't he? Is he good enough? Whatever. Like, you know, he's put all that to bed and, and come back um, with a really good mindset. And and I think, you know, just the the countless sessions he's had, I guess, with his trainers and whatnot over there in the States, um, I think it's definitely paid dividends because he's come back and I think he's just more comfortable with, you know, what he's able to do, which is a lot of everything. Like, um, you know, you can't really pigeonhole him into a role or anything because he's, he is so versatile. So uh, I have noticed a massive difference. And, um, yeah, I'm just super pumped that he's, he's back with the Cats. Mitch, nice to chat, mate. Take care. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you. Mitch Norton from our Perth Wildcats. Uh, nice to have a yak to him. Uh, getting closer to the Davis Cup getting underway. Gets underway at around 8pm Western Standard Time. So in Hamburg, Germany, Australia taking on Belgium tonight. Looking forward to that contest as it unfolds. And also uh, in action tonight, there's plenty of tennis. Uh, the ITF Isla Tomlanovic hits the court after playing pretty well at the US Tennis Open. Really disappointed that she didn't go further in that tournament. And Dave Rennie 
Kearney has made eight changes to his starting 15 ahead of Thursday's Bledisloe Cup clash with New Zealand over there in Melbourne. We'll clear a commitment on the other side, come back, and we will be joined. Speaking of rugby, different form, but rugby sevens, World Cup winners, Madison Ashby, part of that winning team, will join us next. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company. And thanks to Repco Authorised Service for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. Nice to have Mitch Norton, Perth Wildcats, down in the Bunbury region on the weekend, getting up close and personal with the locals too, I hear. Uh, Mitch, welcome. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. How was it down south? All right? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, it's always good to take the, the show on the road, I guess, and um, you know, get out to um, see some fans that necessarily wouldn't be able to make it to RMC Arena or anything like that. So, um, no, it was a very cool environment to be in um, and a uh, successful one for us uh, starting out. How's the chemistry amongst the group with a few personnel changes, Mitch? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, it does take time to build relationships and uh, some synergy on the floor. Um, and I think that's why these games, um, you know, against Adelaide on the weekend were so important because when you're playing and training against the same guys, it does get a little bit old. But, um, no, I think it really it really kind of speeds up that process. Um, and I think a week in Darwin will also um, help that. How defensively minded were the matches given... You scored 97, Adelaide 91 in June up on Sunday. And, of course, it was 98-87 in Eton on the previous two days before that. Uh, was it a bit more open than, than what a normal NBL game would be? Yeah, I think so. Um, defensively for us, I think we're a lot more aggressive this year. Um, and with that, I think, you know, it allows us to get out and run. And I think there was a lot more possessions in the game just because both teams were kind of trying to play really quick and fast. And with that comes some turnovers and, and, you know, some easy layups or, or whatnot for the other team. So I think both teams are just trying to find their feet. Um, that's probably why the scores were, were so high. Tell us about John really, mate, the impact that he's had. Yeah, he's been amazing. <clears throat> right from the get go, he's come in and, and kind of um, laid it all out on the table for us. And, and, you know, wants our backbone to be our defense. So, um, I know a lot of Wildcats fans are, are excited about that because in the past that's kind of been a, been a steady diet of uh, of success for the for the team when that is the case. So um, he's come in and, and made a massive impact straight away, and um, just love you know the energy he provides the group day in and day out. Um, you know he's the number one, I guess, cheerleader at times, but uh, he can definitely put his foot down and, and demand. Um, some excellence from us. What about the blitz that gets underway on Saturday? You take on Cairns uh, first and then Monday and Wednesday you'll back up playing further games. Uh, what about the boys that uh, say have got an injury concern? Brady Manick, have, uh, his ankle, Majok Majok, uh, Jesse Wagstaff, uh, old age, no, no, a hamstring soreness. Uh, Corey Sherville hurt his foot. <laughs> Jack Andrew with his ankle. Um, how many of those blokes do you expect to be available? Will all of them be ready to go? Uh, not 100% sure. Um, I know some are definitely looking a bit better than others. Um, obviously, Brady played in that last game uh, against Adelaide, so it was good for him to get his first hit out against uh, an NBL team. Um, so, yeah, I think 
right now it's kind of just day to day. We've got um, we train today. We've got two more tough days of training, and then we jump on the plane. So um, a lot of time between uh, now and that first game, and and hopefully um, yeah, we can get a couple more big fellas on the floor. Good news to Sean Thomas cleared of major damage to his left ankle. 19 points, four rebounds. And, of course, Bryce Cotton with 20 points and three rebounds. We know what he can do. Uh, talk us through the mindset of this group after missing the playoffs last year. Your coach departs. Uh, feeling of, I guess, from a fan's perspective, what's next and can you bounce pretty quickly? What is the feeling amongst your group about getting back to the business end of the season? Yeah, I think, you know, whenever you come into an organisation like Perth, um, you know, there's one, I guess, goal in mind, and that's to win a championship. Um, and I think the teams that shy away from saying that, um, you know, are kind of lying to themselves. Um, so I think for us to, you know, not make the playoffs, not win a championship, um, you know, it all kind of falls into one category um, as us falling short of our goal. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of hunger and determination, I think, um, you know, coming from where we were last season. Um, but I love how we've hit the ground running this year. And um, I think everyone, players, staff, everyone included um, that were involved in the season last year, definitely learned a lot about um, themselves and, and um, how we can improve. We do forget, though, mate, it was a season like most uh, that were affected big time by COVID, COVID restrictions, flying, teams uh, forced to relocate and all of that thrown into the melting pot. So hopefully we get back to some sort of normality, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I think we're most excited about. Um, you know, just a steady diet of, of home and away games and, and, you know, allowing fans to actually plan to rock up and, and see us play um, and not have it cancelled or postponed or anything like that. Um, because as I said, you know, we do have a great support base and it does spread far and wide um, across WA. So I think um, to get back to some normality will be would be great for our fan base as well. Mitch, can you just give us a little bit of an insight in what we can expect to see? Is there a certain style that we can see? Are we going to see a distinct difference or is it really going to be about a game which predominantly built your championships, you know, you're a championship player from 1920, which were, were built very strongly around defence? Yeah, I think defensively, um, you know, we're going to be a lot more aggressive. Um, so I guess similar to years, in the past, um, I think John really has done a great job of that, I guess, being involved with that boomers um, culture and, and the way they play uh, and get after t- European teams and, and whatnot. So I think that side of, I guess, the ball will be a lot more aggressive. And, and on the flip side, offensively, you know, in the last, I guess, last year, we were a, we were a great offensive team. Um, it was just the defensive side of things that kind of let us down at times. So I think... Um, our focus has, has been all defensive and, and offense, just get out and run and, and have some fun, which is, um, you know, it sounds easy, but at times there will be a couple of turnovers and whatnot, but as long as they're aggressive and, um, and in the right way, I think that they're the ones that we'll happy be, be happy to live with. Speaking with Mitch Norton, Perth Wildcats on Sports Day. Uh, Luke Travers having returned from his time with Cleveland. Have you noticed any difference or an improvement to his game or certainly the knowledge that he garnered while he had some time over there in the NBA, albeit brief? I have. Uh, I've noticed uh, a lot of improvement um, in his game. Uh, he's come out of his shell a hell of a lot more as well. So he's, he's talking to some of his teammates, which <laughs> in seasons gone by, probably 
he's been very quiet and reserved. Um, so it's really good to see that side of things. I think just, you know, the weight lifted off his shoulders of, you know, will he get drafted? Won't he? Is he good enough? Whatever. Like, you know, he's put all that to bed and, and come back um, with a really good mindset. And and I think, you know, just the, the countless sessions he's had, I guess, with his trainers and whatnot over there in the States, um, I think it's definitely paid dividends because he's come back and I think he's just more comfortable with, you know, what he's able to do, which is a lot of everything. Like, um, you know, you can't really pigeonhole him into a role or anything because he's he is so versatile. So uh, I have noticed a massive difference. And, um, yeah, I'm just super pumped that he's, he's back with the Cats. Mitch, nice to chat, mate. Take care. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good on you. Mitch Norton from our Perth Wildcats. Uh, nice to have a yak to him. Uh, getting closer to the Davis Cup getting underway. Gets underway at around 8pm Western Standard Time. So in Hamburg, Germany, Australia taking on Belgium tonight. Looking forward to that contest as it unfolds. And also uh, in action tonight, there's plenty of tennis. Uh, the ITF, Isla Tomlanovic, hits the court after playing pretty well at the US Tennis Open. Really disappointed that she didn't go further in that tournament. And Dave Rennie has made eight changes to his starting 15 ahead of Thursday's Bledisloe Cup clash with New Zealand over there in Melbourne. We'll clear a commitment on the other side, come back, and we will be joined. Speaking of rugby, different form, but Rugby Sevens, World Cup winners, Madison Ashby, part of that winning team, will join us next. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day, and we are here thanks to Elders Insurance from local footy to community events. It's our way of giving back, and what a wonderful achievement it's been by our Australian Rugby Sevens girls. They have been absolutely outstanding. They went to the Commonwealth Games and won gold. And now they've gone to South Africa and won the World Cup. And one of those victorious players is Madison Ashby. And she joins us here on Sports Day. Maddie, welcome. How are you going? How are you feeling? Um, hi, I'm going good. Um, my feeling at the moment, I'm just feeling so like grateful to be home. But also the experience we went through is just unreal. I'm so happy that I got to do it alongside a lot of my best friends. Madison, compare the euphoria of winning the Commonwealth Games gold to the Sevens Rugby World Cup in Cape Town? Oh, the feeling between those is like Commonwealth Games set us up after we won the World Series Championship. Like that just made us feel comfortable and ready. So by the time we went to the World Cup, we were like, we got to win one more. And just finishing that and winning that, it just made the whole season feel so much better, like winning on such a high. Now, I have found a little article from an interview that you did in The Weekender uh, about eight years ago when you were at McCarthy Catholic College. You were a 13-year-old girl, and you said in this particular interview that you had a dream of representing Australia at the Olympic Games. Now, that is a monumental goal. Nothing was going to stand in your way of achieving it, and you did it. Unbelievable. The Tokyo 2020 <laughs> Olympic Games, you got beaten by Fiji 14-12 in a close one in that quarterfinal. But how about that, living out your dream? How did that feel? Um, it was kind of bittersweet. Um, it was, I was so happy to just even make that um, Olympic team. Like, it's a dream come true. But obviously, we didn't get the result we wanted. But at the end of the day, anyone would love to represent your country at the Olympics. So for me, it was 
such a, like you said, a euphoric feeling. Was that, Madison, for you, your first time, say, on, on the international stage? Um, no, I first joined into the program, like played my first game in 2019 at Colorado in the Australian team on the World Series. But, yeah, for me, that was probably, like, for any sports person, like, the biggest moment. And Carl's spoken about your ascension to national representation, but the fact you're also part of the leadership group and what that means to you and what that's meant to you to, to get that recognition at such a young age, obviously. Um, yeah, honestly, I did not expect it at all, especially because I'm so young. It was something I admired to do in the future, but... Um, my coach saw a lot of me and um, I get along with a lot of the younger girls in our team. And if you guys don't know, we have such a young based team. So for me, they get into that leadership group for them was very like ideal to help them find that bond between older and younger. And then ever since then, our team has just gelled so well together. Now, tell us the story about the Madagascar women's team because I've seen this wonderful video of each of you giving them one of your jerseys. Can you just tell us the story about what happened here? Um, for us, like, it took Madagascar a lot to get to, um, obviously, World Cup. They came to there without even having any playing kit or anything, so every training session they had to do was in there full, proper, like, uniform that they got given just to perform in. So, and half of them didn't even have boots. So I know the South African captain, she bought them more boots to be able to come over and play. So for us to give them a little piece of us was very special. And, um, like, even to play against them on the world stage, like, we had a lot of respect for them and they were honestly one of the most, like, wonderful teams to have. They were very blessed to be there, very supportive, like, it was good to get them out there and yeah. for them to be able to perform at such a high level. It was it was so good that video. I mean, there was a lot of love in the room, and it was it, it was just uh, I reckon an extra special feeling. I mean, knowing uh, that they had to fund their own trip, and we're pretty much spoilt over here compared to what they uh, maybe have to endure in their homeland. But it was incredibly good, and congratulations to you and your team for uh, for what was portrayed there. Hey, what got you involved in in rugby sevens in the first place? Can you tell us? Um, at first I played rugby league with the boys, but at the time when I was playing, like it stopped at the age of 12 or 13. And then my dad, he's like my biggest supporter in my life. So he obviously loved the way I played football and he just wanted me to keep pushing and going forward. So he legit from all his connections found a sport for me that I could play. And then from there on out, um, I ended up going world-class with that. Well, playing against the boys rugby league, I'm not sure the tackling uh, restrictions at that age, but I tell you what, Maddie, you would have you would have found out that uh, going from that to, to rugby sevens, and and obviously uh, the path you've taken, it's given you a great preparation uh, for what's to come. Now you've you've got the the wonderful achievements under your belt. What's on the radar next? Um, on the radar next for us is. Um, have a bit of a downtime, break, holiday. A lot of our girls are just enjoying their time off with family, but we're going to go back into a big pre-season to be ready for Dubai and South Africa because it's a qualifying year for the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Wow. that's That must be 
so exciting to think that that, not just Olympics, but Paris has an enormous amount of appeal for you. Yeah, it will be such an unreal year to come ahead for us. So for us, we just got to qualify early so we can just start preparing for that. Madison Ashby, so we're talking to if you've just joined us here on Sports Day. Hey, what about the Rugby Australia CEO, Andy Marinos, believes that the Australian women's sevens team, which includes you, could be Australia's best sporting team. What do you think of that? <laughs> Our CEO, he came over and watched us over in South Africa. He was honestly a very big support, come and saw us girls before we played um, some of our games. So for him to say that, that's a big privilege for us. Like he backed us, a lot of Australia backed us. So um, to hear that, that's honestly just wonderful words. And success helps the profile of your sport and your team. But have you noticed more recognition, more coverage of what you're doing? Um, yes. Um, lately, there's been heaps more coverage for us girls um, because, like, we're such an international-based team. We travel the world heaps. Like, it would be hard for Australia to watch us compared to the league. Like, it's so home-based here. But um, the coverage that we've been getting lately is just amazing. Now, where are you going to put these medals that you've just won? Are you going to put them in the top drawer or are you going to put them in Mum's China cabinet? Where are they going to go? I'm currently looking at them hanging off the side of my TV, but I know my mum and dad want to build a big trophy cabinet at home to put them all in so they're all safe and sound. Terrific. Well, well done. Congratulations again. Thank you very much for sharing a few minutes with us tonight here on Sports Day in Perth, Madison, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chat to you again in the future. Okay, bye. Thank you so much. Good on you. Madison Ashby there, Australian Rugby Sevens World Cup winners. And if you haven't seen the video of the girls uh, presenting their alternate jersey to the Madagascar women's team, then uh, please Google it and take a look. It's awesome stuff. Elders Insurance, hands-on support for our local community. We will clear a commitment. On the other side, I'll come back and have a chat to Josh Y, NFL expert. It's underway. We'll talk to him next. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day and a man that we already spoke to in advance of the NFL getting underway over the course of the weekend is Josh Wye and it's fantastic to have him back on the radio to recap what action unfolded over the course of the last few days. Josh, welcome to Sports Day. How are you going, mate? Good, mate. A little bit tired, you know. Some, you know, week ones, a busy week for, for NFL fans as well, getting used to the uh, the, the early starts in the morning. But um, I'm feeling good. Good stuff. Now, what was the biggest surprise of week one, mate? Oh, where do you start? I think I think you have to start with the, the first game of the season and just how sloppy the Rams were um, and how good the Bills were. Um, the Bills were phenomenal. Just a, a complete complete embarrassment of the of the Rams and. The Bills were unlucky to make the Super Bowl, and that could have been what our Super Bowl was last year. Thankfully, it was a, a bit more of a closer contest with the Bengals, but uh, the Rams' offensive line issues are, are going to be a big issue with some some players uh, that have left from last season. So that's something to keep an eye on going forward and how they can overcome that. But uh, the Bills look uh, pretty unstoppable. I did ask you about Russell Wilson, and his return to Seattle ended in disastrous fashion. Yeah, it was... It was Pretty appalling decision from Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, the rookie head coach. He's come over from Green Bay. Him and Russ both new new in the Broncos organization, and uh, choosing a a guy that's never kicked a sixty yard field goal in an NFL game over your uh, two hundred and forty two million dollar quarterback on on fourth down to make a play is, is a 
definitely a choice that was made. Um, I, I think it was the wrong choice. You have a much more better chance of converting a, a fourth and five with Russell Wilson than kicking a 64-yard field goal to, to win the game. So um, that's something the rookie head coach will learn from. But uh, unfortunately for, for Seattle, or fortunately for Seattle, they get the win against Russell Wilson and, and Geno Smith gets his moment, which is um, a, a good story given how he's caught a fight fighting back over years to, to get back into the starting position in the NFL. Magic Pat Mahomes leads the Chiefs to a 44-21 win over the Cardinals. Good player. Oh, phenomenal. It was an incredible game. And this is probably a stat you won't see much during the season, but 33 first downs from 66 plays. It's a pretty phenomenal uh, conversion rate from the Chiefs. It was, it's, it's hard to replicate that type of success uh, in terms of moving the ball up and down the field. And um, yeah, it just seems inevitable that we're going to have another Mahomes Josh Allen showdown in, in the playoffs at this point. I know it's only early and there's a long way to go and injuries happen, but um, if the Chiefs play like they did and the Bills play like they did, it's, it's going to be hard for a lot of other teams to get to get victories over them. Were you surprised with the Vikings smashing the Packers 23-7? to No, I wasn't. I, I've been high on the Vikings. I think uh, they've been weighed down by poor head coaching the last couple of years. Mike Zimmer um, just couldn't quite work out or adjust to the, to the modern NFL and stuck in the past a little bit and they, they bring in Kevin O'Connell who, who worked under Sean McVay last year and, and won the Super Bowl with the Rams and I think he's he's fully unlocked this offense and it, it was it was moving the ball at will most of the first half they slowed things down a little bit as they got out to that big league but uh, Justin Jefferson is in for a massive season um, with Kirk Cousins and and Dalvin Cook there as well running the ball but uh, I think the Vikings are a, a dangerous threat in the NFC. The Dolphins down Bill Belichick's Patriots twenty to seven, and the blame game begins. Yeah, this this is an interesting development. I think this is going to be an interesting story over the next eighteen to eighteen months or so. Is is Bill Belichick? You know, he is getting older and older, and I don't know if he can put the hours in that he used to be able to do uh, when he was a younger pup. And I think you know, the coaching might be slipping away from him a little bit. He seems to have lost his touch. There's, there's been a a really bad off season with them. There's some strange decision-making from, from them in terms of personnel and their leading receiver barely played. Uh, their leading receiver from last year barely played snaps until the fourth quarter in this game. So um, some, yeah, some really weird decision-making from Bill and in the past it's worked and, you know, because he's had players like Tom Brady, but uh, unfortunately doesn't have that with him at the moment. So uh, it was a bit of an ugly win for the Dolphins, but it was their first sort of game with a new coach. So, you know, they'll be better for it. The Giants win, first week one win in six or seven years. Yeah, I picked this upset. Um, I was I was firmly on the Giants uh, bandwagon to upset the Titans. The Titans, I thought, were a bit of a fraudulent number one seed last year and, and looked a little bit vulnerable with uh, no A.J. Brown on their offense. And it was looking grim at, grim at halftime. But, you know, to counteract what we saw from Nathaniel Hackett today as a head coach, Brian Dable decided to go for two uh, there and trust and put the ball in the hand of his best player, Saquon Barkley, who, who's healthy and back, and it made the difference. And they got the win, and and you know the missed field goal from the Titans was a, a nice little cherry on top to to keep them uh, keep the Giants in front. What about the Lamar Jackson bet on himself rather than accepting the Baltimore Ravens long term contract offer? Uh, he has turned down a five year extension offer worth four hundred and twenty two million. Australian dollars for somewhere between 232 to 206 million, 276 million guaranteed. It's 
It's a tough one. I, I'm, a, I'm a Lamar <laughs> fan, and and yeah, I, you know I, I'm, I'm all for players backing themselves. But a player like Lamar, who who runs the ball a lot and, and takes hits, I'm, I'm very worried that if he does get injured, um, he's costing himself a lot of money here. Although it didn't it didn't hurt Dak Prescott when uh, he got injured before his big big deal. But uh, yeah, it's it's a tough tough one. But you know, given Deshaun Watson, given what he's had off the field and hasn't played in 18 months, and he's able to get more money than what Lamar was offered. Uh, I, I think Lamar's probably right in asking for more money, but uh, it, it is a risky move. I don't know if I have uh, the cojones, I guess, <laughs> to do that. But um, I always support a player kind of backing themselves and, and, you know, you've got a limited window to earn as much as you can for your family and friends. So um, full credit to Lamar. and He played really well uh, against the Jets. The money's ridiculous, mate, isn't it? I mean, it's just incredible. The amounts of money that are thrown around in this game is unbelievable. It, it is crazy, but when you look at how much players like a third baseman's earning in baseball, you probably think QBs are underpaid, <laughs> which is insane when you're talking about the money, but it, it is crazy. But uh, I think Lamar's worth every cent given what he can do. Brilliant, Josh. Thank you very much for giving us your time tonight, mate. Take care. No dramas. Enjoy week two. Will do. Josh Y, the NFL expert, will keep an eye on the action as it unfolds in the NFL. All thanks to the Toolkit Depot. Spring on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at the Toolkit Depot. We'll clear a commitment, come back and have a chat to John Slavich next with the wonderful world of lawn bowls. Sports Day, thanks to Kia, the all-new Kia Nero. Available in hybrid or all-electric. See more at kia.com.au. And Toolkit Depot. Spring it on with top deals on everything you need for your outdoor projects at Toolkit Depot. Welcome back to Sports Day. Great to have your company here on this Tuesday night. And green to green, thanks to Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. And Johnny Slavich joins us, lawn bowling champion. How are you, Johnny? Yeah, you're going very well, mate. Thank you very much for the intro. Now, are you actually doing a little bit of rolling yet? Because I was down at Double View on Saturday and I saw a few of the boys there and a few of them have been getting out and about and having a bit of a roll up here and there. Yeah, look, um, we're starting to get back into it. Uh, I'm a bit of a uh, – I, I try and leave my pre-season till very late. Uh, but, look, uh, yeah, definitely uh, the next few weeks uh, starting to get back into it. Fantastic, mate. Now, give us an update on the men's Mount Lawley consistency singles. Yeah, look, we've gone through two days of play already. Um, we're coming through to our third day, which will be starting on this Friday. Some of the big names that have gone through already into the last um, 32, Trevor Southern, Brad White from the Double View Bowling Club, Corey Bazant, Mount Lawley, Shane Knott and Warren Holt, one of our uh, two of our couple of state representatives, also um, Cody Packer, one of our Australian representatives, through to the round of 32. A great game coming up on Saturday, which will be Mitchell Cranswick and Mitch Biglin. That should be a big one there. And, of course, uh, Matt Allen taking on uh, Tony Cranswick, who was one of our state bowlers from yesteryear, who's continuing to show some late form in the elder years. So continuation on Friday with the finals on Saturday and Sunday at the Mount Lawley Bowling Club. Now, I was reading a story this week that the Perth Suns have returned to an all-local West Australian side for BPL 16. Yeah, look, um, it's it's about time. It's been a while since we had a um, all-Western Australian side. Uh, the Bowls WA have tended to go with a couple of West Aussies and a import. And when I say import... They're legendary bowlers. They are Australian representatives, but they are not true West Aussies. And it's great this year that they've gone through a complete Western Australian side. So we've got 
Blake Mann, who was our number one bowler in Western Australia and in the top 10 of bowlers in Australia. So it's great that they've got him. He's one of the players that's probably, uh, the past three years, has done no wrong. He's won every title there is. And like I said, he is our number one player. He's teaming up with Cody Packer, our Commonwealth Games gold medalist, Christina Christic, who's uh, obviously still celebrating that Pairs win. And uh, Peter Harris, who will be coaching the sides, which will be played at the Pine Rivers Bowling Club, BPL 16. So it should be a big one now. And it's, it's great that we have a full Western Australian side representing the Perth Suns. Now, just looking at bowlswa.com.au, State 4's open for entry. So already ready and raring to go. That's going to commence on uh, Saturday, the 22nd of October with knockout rounds on Sunday, the 23rd. Yep, and concluding on the 30th with finals. So that'll be the uh, first Sunday after our round one with pendants. So everyone get their teams in. I'm pretty sure they'll be hoping to get the... Uh, Everyone in from what they had last year. It was a great event that was, um, I think, had 230 teams. So hopefully this year they'll be hoping to crack the 250 mark. All right. Any other events upcoming? Yeah, well, look, we've got the master, uh, Mixed Masters Fours, which will be running on Sunday the 25th of September and Monday the 26th, $5,000 in prize money. And also the Harvey Bowling Club Men's Split Fours, $6,000 prize money, uh, paying through first to fifth. And I think the last place gets a lucky winner's Saturday and Sunday, $200 per team. So get your nominations into the Harvey Bowling Club. Brilliant, mate. Thank you very much for your time tonight. Take care, and we'll have a chat to you again next week. Cheers, boys. Good on you. John Slavich joining us tonight. And an initiative by Bowls WA Club Development Committee. They have a, a grants program, which was really strongly supported. 27 clubs making applications for funding. It allows clubs to apply for funding towards projects and uh, increased participation. $40,000 offered by Bowls WA to support clubs in its inaugural year. So a, a fantastic response there. So uh, well done to Bowls. Bowls WA. Green to green, thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, if you've just joined us here on the show tonight, just repeating the news that we spoke about off the top that Luke Jackson has chosen to walk away from the Melbourne Football Club, seeking a trade back here to Western Australia and that Junior Rioli has nominated Port Adelaide as a club that he wants West Coast to trade him to. After the news that's coming up next here at 8 o'clock on 8.82 6BR, it will be Todd Johnston with the night shift. He'll take you right through until midnight and we'll see you Again tomorrow at six. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.